0: Christy Mary,
1: gentle, Mary, merry, Mary, 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 Mary. merry, 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 merry,
0: merry, 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 merry,
1: do enjoy is that a dom original no No. this is license free music (laughs) shout out to the the the
0: license free music that has like (laughs) i want god rest you merry gentlemen but make it a jam
1: (laughs) that whichever like working (laughs) musician and we make fun of the license free music but like these are really talented anonymous working people who put this out for our benefit for company's benefit whoever like the guy or girl who thought of this and executed it. Incredible. Just truly incredible stuff. I yeah. want to like is there a whole album of this? Like yeah. traditional Christmas yeah. hip hop? Yeah. Do they have Good King Wenceslas? I can find We, that. we three on. kings? Yes. Yeah, hold on.
0: Good King Wenceslas was my grandfather's favorite Christmas song. It's a good one. And uh and um yeah, he he liked to sing like the deep parts and he'd sing them really silly. I'm a fan of a lot of the old-timey ones. Yeah, well, yeah, the me really too. like uh, like Victorian English, yeah, yeah yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, like the sort of sort of music that you'd hear while like buying a goose yeah. at the market. Do you hear what I hear? <laughs> I don't think that's an old
1: one, <laughs> isn't it? No, <laughs> well, it's a big Crosby. That's like that's like three, like three, there's no three remix ships of Good King. So I'm sorry. Oh, what about what about oh, of Good King? But what about uh, what about uh, We Three Kings? Or is that the one you just said? Uh, okay. Yeah,
0: we three kings of do you want me to keep singing? Dom's waving at me. No, like, I was keep saying going. no I'm saying time. Keep going, stretch, stretch, more, more. I, I, like it's gold. do, it's like, go do you really, it. do you really want me to say the word Orientar on the radio, Dom?
1: <laughs> it's two words. Is it? Or, we three kings of Orient are. <laughs> oh. All right, here we go. <laughs> mind blown!
0: I thought it was an old-timey word for coming out. Oh, of, oh yeah. my goodness! Here we go. I'm so glad I got to tell you that on air. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was this many days old That's when I amazing. found out that okay, it was Dom, two words. Okay, Dom. Three Kings Hip Hop. Here we go. Okay.
1: Banger. All right. Now, now this I could see Nas no, wrapping. A hundred percent. Oh, no lyrics or just... Oh, okay. Just instrumental. All right. Still dig it. Still dig it. It's good. Not as good as, as God rest you merry Gentleman"
0: with the no. lyrics. Dude, nothing is as good as God rest <laughs> you merry Gentleman." Indeed. There's there's only two ominous sounding Christmas songs. What are they?
1: It's not ominous. Yes,
0: it is. Uh, well. God rest you merry Gentleman,"
1: and... What's the other one? I'm asking you to guess. I don't know. I'm not going to guess. There's like a million <laughs> Christmas songs. It's the Ukrainian bell carol. <laughs> of course. Duh. Yeah, I mean, that one is <laughs> ominous, to be fair.
0: <laughs> they're both ominous.
1: Yeah. And um, that's why they're the best. All right, we got to... Uh, yeah, we, we got to rush through the whiteboard. <laughs> we got to do this. Hold on. Hold on. JamPro, the leader in commercial cleaning, keep your workplace safe during this flu season by trusting JamPro's EnviroShield disinfection service. Visit janpro.ca It is time for the whiteboard later today because it's a crossover Wednesday. All right now, fellas, and hey, let's focus up, huh? There we go. It's your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, December 20th. Starting with the headlines, Canucks beat the Predators 5-2, extend their point streak to seven games. And big takeaway, a couple big takeaways for me from this one, uh, Drancer. One is the Kuzmenko healthy scratch, which we'll talk about in a second. But the other one is just the Canucks. Showing the gap between them and the next tier of teams in the Western mm. Conference, right? your Nashvilles, Calgary, Seattle, Minnesota, St Louis, you look you add up all the games they've played against those teams. It's not a perfect record, but you look at and not every win has been, you know, a sparkling performance, but you just look at it in total. the games they've played against those teams, teams that would theoretically have to catch them if the wheels were to fall off and they were to fall out of a playoff spot. And I don't think they've left any doubt about the gap in quality between them. And that group of teams. And that's really, you know, they sweep the season series against Nashville. That's the takeaway for me is wherever you want to put them in the contender tier, they've clearly separated themselves out of that tier of teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for me, the big headline,
0: honestly, coming out of last night, Canucks-wise, in addition to the Canucks just wiping the floor with the Nashville Predators team that I don't think can hang with them. Right? I mean, we've now seen it three times. Mm-hmm. The Canucks have two clear victories in those three games. And the third the third, like the one that they only won by one score, their least convincing on the scoreboard win over the National the first Predators one in Nashville. was their most impressive. Yeah. Maybe their most impressive single game of the year, aside from that time they, you know, picked the limbs off the St. Louis Blues like they were a, you know, psychotic child and the blues were a fly. <laughs> um the Story for me stemming out fr- stemming from last night was this, like, crystallization, not just of the Pacific Division race, right? Because you had Vegas coming back to Earth against a mm-hmm. uh, Carolina Hurricanes team that's been owed a bounce and got a bunch of them in a 6-3 victory over the Vegas Golden Knights. The Kings also win... The three top teams in the NHL by point percentage are all in the Pacific Division. That's not true. But in the Western oh, Conference. sorry. In the Western Conference. In the Western Conference. Western Conference. Yeah. Who, who's
1: Because Boston and New York both have okay, a points okay. percentage so the Canucks are higher fifth. than anybody in the Pacific. Yeah. Okay. So the so Canucks are fifth in Three, four five. Three, yeah, three four, five. three, four,
0: five. So three, four, five in the West. And it's the Rangers and the Bruins? Yeah. So, you know, guess what? The Kings and the Golden Knights are better than those two teams. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, the... So, so we're now looking at a Pacific Division race here where you've got LA with 714 point percentage, the Kings with 712, and the Canucks with 697. Razor-thin margins mm-hmm. between those three teams. And the prize for beating Huge. them is avoiding
1: the other two. Yeah. Like, that's massive. And that's really significant because, like, we've been harping on this a lot. The, the It's a real – again, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the playoff forecast. It's a real turtle derby for the last couple of spots. Oh, yeah. In the Western Conference. Oh, those teams are soft. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, weak teams in the mix for that, especially that final spot that, in the Western that Conference. Coyotes,
0: Kraken, Flames. Yeah. Minnesota, Minnesota Nashville, St. Louis. Like, St. Louis tier. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of beatable teams in that group. Mi- Minnesota's probably the one you least want to face frankly and and minnesota's you know me- minnesota yeah <laughs> <laughs> the man- minnesota mild right so anyway um for me honestly i was watching these games i was watching big save dave get it done mm-hmm. for the kings against the sharks because you know i'm a sicko and it, it, it began to sort of like crystallize for me and I actually got really excited because I've got some time off after this week and I'm looking forward to enjoying some time with my family. And then on the other side, it's like we've got a division title race with high stakes, with real stakes on, yeah. in, in the 2024 portion of the year. I haven't got to do that since the first year I came back. I've been back for five years. Like, let's go. I've just felt like last night was this, you know, it's like, um. Like the video game music and then you see the final boss and you Mm. have this like clarity of what's ahead. It's like, okay, I've got to target their hands when the little yellow target thing comes up. It's like that was that was what last night felt like to me when I looked at the NHL slate. In totality, it was this is the stakes for the rest
1: of the season, and it's going to be so much fun. And in the final six weeks of the season, as I mentioned, they play L.A. four times and Vegas three times. <laughs> I know. So that which I think it's, is fantastic. It's going right? to be determined have... to get a chance to get familiarity with teams for a pot- potential playoff preview, but also to decide uh, to build up division. some bad blood. That's yeah. like the other like nothing breeds bad
0: blood in the NHL like familiarity and nothing breeds watchability and fun and drama
1: and talking points for you and I. Like, uh, like like that blood like that as well. Yeah, bad blood. let's go. Um, okay, onto the broadsheet now. The, Kuzme- the Kuzmenko discussion it kind of extends through headlines to the broadsheet and rumors to the lineup notes. So the- I noted I noted
0: yesterday, by the way, in addition to noting that the Canucks were uh, working the phones, yes, looking yeah. at depth defensemen, but it's hard because of the flat cap. I noted that we'd probably get some kind of Kuzmenko update today. Yeah.
1: Did, did, we? did we? I don't really think so. I, I think I was but wrong. But what I saw was um, what what I wanted to bring up was uh, Chris Johnson, your colleague get at the athletic publishing the latest edition mm. of his trade board andre kuzmenko comes in at number 11 in terms of trade names to watch what's the caption ahead of the trade deadline uh the ha- the caption really is only teams are calling on a winger who has seemingly fallen out of favor with canucks head coach uh rick Tockett and you know, there's not a lot more to it than that. Other, uh, you know, he says the Canucks are having a strong season, don't necessarily need to move Kuzmenko, but they may opt to part with his $5.5 million cap hit in order to upgrade another area of their roster. So, you know, basically just what we've heard teams are calling on Kuzmenko. But, you know, I did think it was notable not only that he was number 11, just also he's the only Canuck on there, which isn't necessarily surprising in the context of how the Canucks are playing this season. But when you think about all of the names that have been on the trade market for the Canucks uh, in the last 12 months or so, it is pretty significant that Kuzmenko is the only guy there. And then I also wanted to track in the broadsheet possible Canucks targets and where they sit on CJ's trade board. So Elias Lindholm and Chris Tanev are one and two. As the Calgary Flames continue to be at the center of all of this with their pending UFAs. And then a couple of interesting names further down the list, Jake Gensel at nineteen, Jordan Eberly at twenty. And look, I if I had to bet, I would still bet on Gensel not moving uh at the deadline because I, you know, Pittsburgh I think will find a way to be competitive for a playoff spot. But when you think about the play the Pittsburgh connection with this front office and what they need and Jake Gensel potentially being on the market, like that is a fascinating, fascinating name, uh, to me. If he's out there, if he's if there's a realistic possibility, like that's a big time name to watch. Yeah, I mean, he'd be a great fit on any number of Canucks
0: lines. He's a really, really he's good an player. incredibly good player. Yeah, um, his finishing's been off a uh, um the last couple of years. Like for the he's he's on one of those extended runs. With a with a lower than career shooting percentage, like I'm, I'm talking like one of those twelve to eighteen month runs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if his vibes mix with the Canucks, <laughs> you know, coterie I mean, of twenty percent shooters. It's like needs, whoa, whoa, whoa. He needs to play a few sooner. It's like it's like the Canucks only employ guys who shoot twenty percent or two percent, like Connor <laughs> Garland, and and never the tween shall mix.
1: Yeah, I mean he's it's still like, on. Oh, page. he's still on pace for like thirty five goals. Yeah, no, uh, of course, but also,
0: but also like. Hey bro, do you even shoot twenty percent? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so that's the that's just kind of a snapshot of the trade picture, the rumor and report section. With, again, Kuzmenko at number eleven on CJ's trade board. To the lineup notes: optional practice in Dallas today, so we won't get an answer on whether Kuzmenko will be a healthy scratch again tomorrow, which is really the pressing lineup question uh, with how the Canucks ha- is there are any playing. suspense though? I, it's hard for me to see. That he gets back in the lineup. You know, yeah, it's tough. Like
0: every time every time this team takes him out of the lineup too, you get like a performance like that Seattle performance or a performance like last night where it's like every line's contributing. Yeah. Which on the one hand makes it hard to put him in, and on the other, begs the question of does Kuzmenko's does the pace at which Kuzmenko plays, does the east west stylings that he brings mesh with what this team does at its best? Right? Like, I think both of those are sort of fair questions or notes to have based on how this team has performed whenever Tocket has scratched Kuzmenko this season.
1: And I think beyond just the team playing well last night, and, you know, I said this earlier in the show, but you look at. It was one thing when Lafferty was playing next to Pedersen and yeah, he was scoring, but you could also see that it wasn't a super clean fit with Lafferty there. But now you move you Suter up and it is a clean fit and you're just running. You know, they bring Niels Amon in the lineup and he scores a goal. They like his penalty killing ability. You know, he does play that kind of fast uh, north-south game. You're just running out of obvious spots. Like I know people will point to Phil Giuseppe and, uh, lack of offensive upside there. That's fair enough, but again, Phil Giuseppe is a guy the coach has loved consistently since he's been here, so it's just really hard to find the easy path back into the lineup, and at a certain point, if you have a $5.5 million player who you're struggling to get into the lineup, and when he is in the lineup, you don't trust him to play in the third period with a lead, like last night really did feel like a bit of a turning point for me where I almost feel like the most likely outcome is now a trade because it just feels like an untenable situation if this is going to be the baseline, right, where we're struggling and kind of squinting to find ways to get him back into the lineup. Yeah, uh, look, it's a it's a tough spot. I, I don't think there's any easy answers given
0: the term on his contract, given the size of his cap mm-hmm. it, given the lack of production, given that everyone knows what his usage is at, and and given the fact that you know, I like this isn't one where I'm looking at a guy the way I was looking at a guy like Besser or Garland last year, where it was like, well, the underlying stuff's still there. You know, if the opportunity ticks back up, we'll see like, you know, he was playing four minutes, a game on the power play in a shooting spot on the power play and had 13 shots in 10 games. You know, like I, I don't know his, his, you know, his personal shooting clips regressed, but he's still shooting 15% five on five. Yeah. Like he, there's no world in which I see a single underlying indicator that suggests he's been unlucky.
1: So, I mean, I, I it's really hard for me to track um, a way forward here. Oh, that's the thing. Even beyond, you know, the other things that Rick Tocke Talkin is, is talking about and emphasizing, like, you also have to produce, and the production hasn't been there in really good opportunities for uh, him. And Rick can't compromise in a world
0: where he's benching JT Miller. Yeah. You know, like, in a world where... Not a single guy in this Canucks core is dogging it on their way to the bench, is on the wrong side of the puck cheating for offense, right? Like, it, it isn't scanning the and ice to make sure, like, their neutral zone wedge is in place so that they can, you know, spring the turnover that ends up in the Petterson in Petterson having one step, mm-hmm. like, one step against the Nashville defense. And because he's Elias Petterson, like, you know, that, that goal is created 50 feet away from three guys who are in position. Fundamentally, and the Canucks press their advantage, and then they have one of the best finishers in the game. Boom, one nothing, right? It's like if you want that on the back end, you can't compromise to no. to accommodate a Kuzmenko. I, it's just a really hard one. Like, and again, usually, usually, you know me. There's nothing I like more than a distressed stock on a player, right? Like, oh, Tyler Myers is struggling, and the whole market's out at him. Like, I'm gonna defend this guy. You know, like I love that. That's like my bread and butter. I don't have the contrarian take here. Like, I think this is genuinely one where Kuzmenko's form
1: doesn't warrant much more than where we're at. Um, On to the playoff forecast. No shock here. Canucks still sitting pretty. 97% chance to make the playoffs. That is meaningful. So they did tick up. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably because they beat one another, one of those teams chasing them, yeah, right? Theoretically chasing them, yeah. uh, projected to finish with 104 points right now. So really, I mean, what the, I think where the focus turns at this point in the playoff forecast is the seeding race, well, uh, and I, I still want to track the possibility of
0: Edmonton passing them. Not because I think it's going to happen, but because I think man. it'll be, I think it'll be, an, I think it'll be interesting to see how close it gets.
1: It's just you know Edmonton was coming on there, and the Canucks had the little 500 stretch. Now Edmonton has lost, what, three in a row, and it's like a 19-point gap in the standing. It's so big. I, I'm buying Edmonton to get a wild-card spot oh, just yeah. because you look at the rest of the Western Conference and it's not daunting. To meaningfully challenge the Canucks is, whew, that's a, that's a very, very steep hill to climb. It, it is, but I mean,
0: if the Canucks, say, perform at a 90-point pace the rest of the way and the Oilers perform at a 110-point pace the rest of the way, they don't get ahead of the Canucks. But they close like twelve of those nineteen points.
1: Yeah, and so so, like
0: so, I'm I'm just saying you're right. It's still a golf, but it's interesting to
1: me. Um, and so the Canucks now uh, per Dom's model with a nineteen percent chance to win the Pacific Division, well back of the Kings and the Golden Knights. Kings at forty. Golden Knights right there at a 39% chance. So the model still very much expects the Canucks to finish in either second or third in the Pacific. But look, one in five to win the division is certainly nothing to sneeze at for the Canucks. And what's there there to finish third? 38%. 38%. 28% to finish second.
0: Which is interesting because
1: that's actually higher than it was yesterday. But better chances to win the division at 19% than to finish fourth in the division at 12%. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like... No, I think the top three in
0: the Pacific is more or less set. Yeah. But I do think the odds, like what are, what are the odds of the Canucks being fourth or below? Uh, Like f- 18%? F- something like 15%, something like that. Yeah, It's as well low on. as 15 now? It's 15%. Now, 15%. Yeah. So it was 21 earlier in the week, 15 now. So that's yeah. a meaningful change. And the Oilers' odds of finishing in the top three were at almost 30% earlier in the now week. They're in now they're at 21%. So see, this is why, like, that's what's going to move fast, mm. right? Because the model knows that the Canucks are good. But there's enough softness in the Canucks underlying. Like, the model also expects the Canucks to regress. It's why the model, in terms of projected points, picks the Canucks to finish, what, four points behind LA and Vegas by the end of the year, right? So there is enough sort of profile issues in the model that they're they're looking at that. So that's what's going to move fast because the model also rates Edmonton so highly. Mm. That's what's going to move. That's why I think that should be our focus because that's what's going to change the most day-to-day. All right, give us your betting odds quickly here. I mean, that th- we already have odds open on the Canucks in Dallas. The Canucks are plus 125 dogs, Dallas minus 150. So Dallas favored pretty strongly, although, again, DeBoer team against the Canucks. This mm-hmm. is a team that I think matches up really well with the Stars. And then the over-under is basically even money, or a minus a 105 on the over, minus 115 on the under. Set at 6.5, Canucks remain betting favorites for the Norris, Vesna, Jack Adams, and have two of the top seven <laughs> candidates to win the heart Amazing. and Brock Besser's up to 12 to one. You could have gotten him 25 to one, two weeks ago to win the rocket Richard for the NHL's leading scorer. What
1: is Let's this go. world? Uh Okay. That's the whiteboard for t- today, December 20. If there is no people show today, but on Wednesdays, the fantasy football update is brought to you by the Clayton public house pregame to post game. The Clayton public house is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors the do you have a really quick fantasy tidbit advice starter go set go over who cares yeah that's right i just want to quickly tell a story about mike halford mike halford is the
0: current reigning champion of my extremely high stakes fantasy league. Mm-hmm. like $500 buy in thousands of dollar prize like it's a it's a it's a big deal halford won it last year or at least won most of the prize when the the hamlin game got stopped and this year, he, like, sold all his picks. He went all in. He he limped into the playoffs as the sixth seed. And he's down in the first round, 1% chance of winning at the very end wow. of that Seahawks-Eagles game on Monday night. Despite a really good game from Kenneth Walker, it looks like he's done. But he's got JSN. Let's go. And he wins by a point from a 1% projected probability. Wow. And remains alive. In the high-stakes fantasy playoffs. I just wanted to tell that story about Mike Halford, the luckiest man that ever lived. Congratulations to Mike Halford. Congratulations to
1: Mike Halford on his 120 fantasy football PDO. He is unkillable. (laughs) The Canucks of your fantasy league. (laughs) And congratulations to uh, Halford for having the day off tomorrow and Friday. Drancer will be on the morning show. Quick turnaround for us. Yay. (laughs) 6 a.m. We'll see you on Halford and Bruff Thursday and Friday. Uh, Make sure you tune in for that. And then, until then, keep it right here on Sportsnet 650.